0: You've probably noticed, I do a lot of talking on this podcast. I mean, what's a podcast without the talking? And all that talking can sometimes be rough on my voice and throat, which is why I make sure I keep a pack of Fisherman's Friend close by at all times. With flavors like mint, cherry, and lemon, Fisherman's Friend is loved and trusted by sore throats everywhere. I use them. Fishermen use them. Even championship winning coach Nick Nurse uses them to call out plays. Fisherman's Friend. It works. That's the honest truth
1: each season again presents its own challenges and that's kind of the goal that's back in front of you regardless of what's happened in the past so that's it really i just try to take each season and maximize the effort and the potential of of the team that's in front of us
0: welcome to mission critical a podcast about the big picture the purpose and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? What does it mean to win? To claim victory. To be glorious. Perhaps there's no better arena to look to and ask this question than that of sports, where athletes and teams put everything they have into the pursuit of glory. It takes dedication, grit, sacrifice, and most importantly, an uncompromising desire to win in order to achieve greatness. For Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors and the Canadian men's national basketball team, winning is all of these things. But it's also measured in more ways than one. It's measured in ways that go beyond a scoreboard or a championship trophy and extends into the role that we play in our community. On today's episode of Mission Critical, I'm chatting with Nick about what it takes to create a championship winning team. He would know. Under his guidance, the Toronto Raptors famously won an NBA championship in 2019 marking the first time a Canadian team has won the elusive title in sports history and cementing memories never to be forgotten in the hearts of fans across the nation. The reigning NBA Coach of the Year embodies the mantle in more ways than one. Evidence in his ability to work under intense pressure, cultivate talent, and perhaps most importantly, give back to the community. Nick Nurse, we have you speaking today. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Lance?
0: I am doing wonderful, especially now that we get to chat together. So I want to dive you know, right into it. You have a new book out. It's called Rapture, 15 teams, four countries, one NBA championship and how to find a way to win damn near anywhere. So let's start there. I want to get a little bit of a bird's eye view on how you see things. You're obviously the head coach of the Toronto Raptors and also lead Canada's men's national basketball team. And you've experienced both wins and losses on the court and have also reached the pinnacle in the league with the championship win. So I'm curious, what is your philosophy on victory? What does it mean to win and be glorious both on and off the court?
1: Well, I think it is a culmination of your vision and your dreams closely aligned with your plans coming to fruition. You know, when you look at the big picture, winning a championship. You obviously you you start out a season and you think, well, we want to win the title, right? I mean, that's a that's the goal and that's the big goal you set out for yourself. When you boil it down to kind of each game, you know, victory that you're doing, it's it's just the similar thing when on just on a microcosm level, you know, you put a game plan together, you study, you you work hard, you you try to get your team to maximize their effort for that particular night. And then when you're victorious, obviously it's just kind of a job well done type of feeling. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. And once you reach that ultimate goal, you know, say for example, the championship win in 2019, how do you go about recalibrating and evolving your goals from there once you've you know, reached the top?
1: I think it's not maybe as hard as you think, or it hasn't appeared to be as hard for me. I I just have always approached each and every season as its own entity, whether I've won a championship, whether it be in England or the D League or the NBA, each season, again, presents its own challenges, and that's kind of the goal that's back in front of you, regardless of what's happened in the past. So that's it, really. I just try to take each season and maximize the effort, and the potential of of the team that's in front of us.
0: Now, you're responsible for really cultivating essentially the most elite athletes in the world of sports and also working with your team, your side of the team as well. What do you think it takes to create a championship winning team? What leadership traits do you look for in your players and how do you foster those traits?
1: Well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of traits that go into it, but one of them... Certainly has to be a competitive nature, right? You have to have a strong desire to win. Losing has to bother you. There has to be some, you know, work ethic. There has to be determination. There has to be a level of confidence. Um, there has to be certainly a, a level of selflessness, you know, because it is a team sport. Toughness, you know, both physically and mentally. But I think mostly I, I always keep circling back to competitive nature. Does winning matter to you and does that drive to get out of bed every day, understanding how important the daily grind is to get a W or get a victory?
0: I'm noticing a lot of overlap uh, between, you know, for us as a publication and a media outlet, we focus really on a lot of the people that are uh, in the entrepreneurial sector, people in leadership positions, and there's a lot of overlap when it comes to, A hunger to win and resilience and persistence and being competitive. But there's also other aspects involved when it comes to handling the mental health challenges around that. I mean, I can't even imagine the pressure and the mental health anxiety that would come with being an elite athlete and, and coaching an elite team. How do you navigate some of those challenges in an arena that puts so much pressure on its stakeholders around performance? How do you deal with, you know, a team's emotions and egos and anxiety and channel that into something positive?
1: A big part of it is again, understanding that some of those mental strains are part of what we do right? And acknowledging that first and foremost, you know, like telling the team there's going to be, there's going to be some down moments during this season, right? That's every season goes through it, you know? And when we get there, we've already acknowledged that we're in one of those moments and let's, let's kind of treat the down moments um, as closely as we can to the up moments, just keep an even keel, right? Let's not go Way too high when things are rolling well, and let's not go way too low when things aren't rolling so well. Let's understand it's a long season. Let's understand that you're not always going to play great. When you lose, don't lose the lesson from the last game. Evaluate each and every day and and try to move forward, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, not lingering too much and and being able to just – move on and take that next step is so crucial. And especially in in the business community as well. Now, I think it was in maybe in your new book that I read that you have an elephant in your office, like a literal elephant. Is that true? And and why? And how does that relate to your leadership style and how you communicate with your team members?
1: Well, It is true. I do have an elephant in in the room Uh, and it is supposed to represent any elephants in the room of that's going on with our team. I think that we have to be uh, kind of brutally honest sometimes when there's something, you know, a problem out there. We don't want it to linger. We don't want to avoid it. We don't want to skirt around it. We just need to present it you know, I think we're professional enough to handle whatever it is or professional enough as a group to come up with solutions to problems. Um, but if we certainly don't address them, they'll, they'll just fester and manifest into into worse and worse problems. So that's, that's the point be- behind the, the elephant in the room.
0: And I guess that's something that obviously transcends just, you know, the tactics that are employed within the office and on the court. And In life in general is just being able to acknowledge the issues that are or you know not even necessarily issues but the hurdles that are in front of you directly and and being able to um, tackle them and move on from them so you also lead the Canadian national team who you're hoping to take to the Olympics next summer what are some of the fundamental differences between the international game and the NBA game in terms of how you coach is there is there a big fundamental difference
1: there's certainly some differences in the style of play. It's a little shorter game. It's a little there's a lot less possessions in the game, so obviously that puts a premium on possessions, right? Each and every possession has a has a higher value with less of them. It's a little bit more physical. There's a few rule changes here and there. But mainly it's guys coming together intermittently, right? That's the challenge is is we'll get a a few weeks. To get them ready to go, and then we play in such short bursts, and then we disband again and come back together again, and all those kind of things. So it's trying to build a foundation, some continuity, a system of play over these intermittent time frames. That really is the challenge. And and um, but man, there's sure a passion. Guys love to play for their country, and it's and it's certainly fun to be a part of.
0: Now. You've previously also been recognized as Coach of the Year by the NBA, and you're known as one who approaches the game with a very unconventional game plan. And your success has really been marked by your ability to collaborate with your coaching staff while getting the most out of your players. I think there's a lot of similarities between that and and how you lead a, a company or a team in life too. So, what are some cornerstones? in your coaching strategy that allows you to consistently pivot and be agile and nimble with the game while also getting buy-in to execute from everyone that's involved?
1: I think that, again, a lot of that is some kind of upfront communication or in the vision, you know, that we start our year with or, you know, a season we see coming ahead of us. What what do we see? Well, we have a vision to get to the title, but we obviously here's how we're going to do it. I need I need your acceptance. I need your input. I want your views on things. I want your communication. Uh, I want you to understand that I'm going to let you play. I'm going to give you freedom to do things to show your greatness. I'm going to let the coaches coach to show their greatness. And I just think that it's constantly working together and evolving together. You know, and I think, I think we also, again, like, understand, uh, Hey, let's try some things and let's, let's be innovative and let's maybe think outside the box, um, more often than not. And then if something doesn't work, let's crumple it up and throw it in the garbage, garbage really quickly. And if something does work, let's polish it and hone it and put it in our toolbox for later when we need it. I think all those things just kind of encompassing everyone's thoughts, ideas, and energy and trying to pull them together in a similar direction.
0: Now, not that you haven't been busy enough already as the head coach of the Raptors, leading Team Canada, on top of being a new father and running your own foundation, which I want to get to, but you're also working towards a PhD uh, in philosophy, focusing on sports leadership. What have you learned in that experience?
1: First of all, a lot of the you know, classwork took me down a lot of areas of many different you know, facets of leadership. So I, there was always things to learn there and great research to read and books to read, et cetera. I really see as my top priority or one of my top priorities as, as a coach is to make sure that our players are impactful in their own communities through charitable giving foundations, philanthropy, et cetera. You know, and what what have I learned? I've learned that there's a right way and a wrong way to do these things, right? That these are these are our businesses, you know, they have to be run as such and, and you have to make sure that you're maximizing dollars in the right direction, that the dollars are being spent to where you promise they're going to be spent and that they're going to be most impactful in those communities.
0: Yeah, impact is a big one. And, of course, you have, you know, Athletes on, the, on you know, the Raptors. Serge is very, uh, Serge Ibaka has his own foundation. Kyle Lowry also is very active in working with the community. And of course, Maasai with Giants of Africa. And you also have your own foundation. Can you tell us a little bit more about really what are the core pillars of your foundation and how it overlaps with some of these values and, and key learnings from you know, your studies in, in your PhD?
1: Yeah, I think that first of all, you know, I think I've been given a lot of blessings and been given a lot of uh, of a platform that I can use to, to go out and, and help. So I just try to align it with things that I love, books, music, basketball. Those are kind of the three areas that we're going to focus on. Trying to improve the lives and self-images of local Toronto youth that's underserved. Get them some books to read, get them some basketball to to shoot with and and get them some instruments to play and lessons and put them in bands and all those things and again just try to improve their lives the best we can and and again just using the platform and and trying to trying to give back you know that's it
0: and when it comes to those three areas specifically why are those ones the areas that you wanted to focus on i know that you're obviously very passionate about music and creativity and you're a big reader and then obviously your connection in sports is it a reflection of the things that you have found to empower a community or or help you know help a community in a certain way why are those the three things that you wanted to focus on
1: You know, first of all, I have a passion for those three areas. I think I have a a knowledge base or an experience, or even if it's a hobby like my music, those things make me feel good, right? And I think that feeling good is what I want to pass on. And all of those are are challenges, you know, learning an instrument, reading more, you know, gaining a knowledge base physically, basketball, uh, just the, the joy of that sport that some kids enjoy or more kids uh, had the opportunity, could enjoy more throughout life. So that's it. Just trying to pass those things along, and hopefully, people find the same joys that I that I do, or some, in, in at least one of those three areas, if if they can.
0: One would assume that leading an NBA franchise towards another championship win, or a national team towards Olympic gold, would keep your hands full. For Nick Nurse, that's simply the tip of the iceberg. A true multi-hyphenate, he's kept himself busy with his official job responsibilities on top of raising a young family and pursuing a PhD. All in a day's work, right? As he puts it, his top priority as a coach is to make sure that his players are impactful in their own communities, an ethos that underscores his dissertation focusing on ethical sports leadership. It goes beyond the court. Because sports is a microcosm of the world, and as such, exists at the intersection of larger social issues like racial injustice, equal pay, diversity, and more. Like many things, sports and politics are intertwined, and in Nick's view, sports provides a spotlight for players and coaches to use their platforms for good. Now, building on social impact and social values, you know, basketball as a sport and a league has proven to be one of the more progressive players in the sports landscape when it comes to these, you know, these values and, and the impact. Do you think sports is political or a political statement at all? You know, there are some camps that see it as a great equalizer, while others would argue that it is very much political. If you consider history and recent events around, you know, of course, players like Colin Kaepernick as well as the BLM movement, which, you know, we've seen a lot of support from the basketball community. So what is your perspective in terms of where sports lies on that spectrum?
1: Well, I think, again, the platform is there for players and coaches to share what they believe in, get behind what they believe in, make things better right? Have a voice towards positivity in the world. So I, I certainly believe in using that platform. You know, I think it's linked to the foundation. It's linked to when somebody puts us up in front of um, television cameras or press conference or the media, you have a chance to address and promote and get behind things that are positive and, or the things that need help. You know, you can have a positive impact on them, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Is there a line where it becomes too partisan or do you think that things should be relatively neutral when it comes to being on the field? You know, How far can you go as ambassador of the community there?
1: Well, I don't know, you know if there's a measuring stick about how far you can go or not. I think you have to be comfortable in, in what you're doing and what you're saying. You have to have a knowledge base. You have to continue to educate yourself like the Colin Kaepernick situation was never about borders or flags or countries or, or anything. It was about police brutality. He was right. It needed to be brought to the forefront. You know, I think the message got crossed up a little bit, but I applaud him for the heck. I think, I think what he did is, is amazing.
0: Absolutely. These are messages that really transcend, you know, just the the conversations within The arenas and and the stadiums that were in their bigger conversations about society and and the community. And speaking of platforms, I know that, you know, we're just just emerging from the U.S. presidential election. And you were very vocal about using your platform to talk about voting. Why was that so important to you? And, you know, what kind of response did you see out of your efforts there?
1: Well, it was important to me as a lot of people got behind the voting thing. I was trying to figure out a way that I could have an impact in helping, you know, people exercise their fundamental right to vote. Being in Canada, there, there was some different avenues we could take, you know, when we decided to focus on, you know, U.S. citizens living here um, north of the border. So then we did a little research. We found out there was, you know, over 600,000. Only 5% of those voted in the 2016 elections, which was an appalling number. So we thought we had a a great opportunity to improve that. Our players got behind it. They were fantastic in there in helping. It was a a great project to get behind and something we we can do in the future as well
0: yeah it it's it's pretty incredible just seeing the the voter turnout as a result of this election and you know all things considered that it was during a pandemic as well kind of building from there the past year has been challenging to say the least, and you know you were with your team playing during the the pandemic and and existing within the bubble. How did you deal with leading a team under a pressure cooker like that? Um, What did you learn about yourself, about the people that you're leading and just the dynamics of, you know, working with people in general?
1: It was a challenge, right? And I think, you know, it's challenging enough the way it is. And I think adding the bubble and kind of the routine and, you know, just a little bit of the Sameness, you know, of of every day and and not really the freedom to move move around did have its challenge, especially as time went on. And I did again just thinking, you know, about being open minded, being available to talk to, making available platforms for the players to speak. And just trying to stay as positive as absolutely possible, you know, saying things like, let's get out of, let's get out of bed on the right side of the bed tomorrow, or, you know, let's, let's again, just using positive language, you know, consistently and presenting a good attitude and and showing kindness. I think, you know, we really worked hard at just showing kindness to everybody in our day-to-day movements. And then when we dealt with the media and the press, and when we were projecting outward from the bubble, we wanted to to have a good attitude and show a lot of kindness as well.
0: You're a father to a young child. And in the time that you've become a new father, you've experienced the championship, you've experienced a lot of things happening in culture as well. Has that changed your perspective on legacy or how has that impacted your, your notion on leaving a legacy?
1: I don't really think too much about that word legacy. Right, I think that obviously your perspective changes when you become a father. I just want to be a good person and set a good example. Hopefully that is what they see and and try to emulate. And I think that's it. I'm not I'm not trying to create some huge legacy for them to have to live up to or or even think about. I just want them to hopefully be happy and safe and strong and healthy mentally and physically and and um, set a good example for them. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Last question here, you know, at the end of the day, what would you say is your mission? What's the big picture, not just on the court and not just with the athletes and the team that you work with, but what's the bigger picture beyond that as well?
1: Well, I like to see people realize their dreams and visions and goals and hopefully those reaching those things makes them happy. I think that's it. I love to help people dream and plan around those dreams and strive to reach their goals on a daily basis.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, It's really nice to talk again and hopefully we'll see you in person at some point sooner than later. For Nick, victory isn't just about achieving your dreams. It's about making a difference in your community. It's about using your influence and platform to make an impact. There are many lessons we can learn from his leadership on the court, but the most profound lesson we can take away from his story is to lead with kindness and help others achieve success in their own pursuit of victory. Next episode on Mission Critical, we speak with social media sensation, James Jones, otherwise known as Notorious Cree, about being an Indigenous role model and reclaiming your culture. One
1: of the big things and one of the things that I'm really proud of is that, you know, it's it's giving Indigenous peoples a platform. It's giving Indigenous peoples a voice. And it's, it's showing us that, hey, you know, these huge, conglomerate, crazy social media platforms, they see us.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?